into the house of the Lord. David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. And then so let's go to the Lord in prayer uh, as we embark upon his word. Father, again, we thank you for every opportunity we have to come and to enter into your courts, to come and to enter into your courts with praise and thanksgiving. We thank you, God, for this place called Common Ground, even though it is not common ground in regards to anything else within the space of the world, but it is, God, common ground for us to come in under the blood and the cross of Jesus Christ. It isn't just any kind of ground, but it's ground that is holy because of your presence. And so we bless you and we honor you in this place today. And I ask you, God, that you would speak through me as I would give unto you, as you have given, un given unto this people, as you've given unto me. And I ask God that you would bless and anoint and would be glorified and honored in our time together today. Our scripture reading is taken from Psalm 147 and verse 1. And they post it up there. We can read it all together. Let's read it. Praise the Lord, how good it is to sing praises to our God, how pleasant and fitting to praise him. I'm going to get to uh, the subject matter that I want to deal with today, and that is why do we sing? Why do we sing? Uh, this is uh, Black History Month, and so I want to sort of, if I can't take a little bit, I want to honor my mother today just for a little bit. Uh, in this month of black history. My mother, she didn't know I was going to do this, y'all. She didn't know I was going to do this. My mother is a classical pianist and a church musician. She was classically trained under the famed late Dorothy M. Munger, uh, who was a member of the Steinway artist family for more than 50 years, and she was the endowed chair, the principal pianist of the Indianapolis Symphony Orchestra for some 27 years. Mrs. Munger was one of the most beloved uh, teachers and mentors throughout this country. And I share this with you because there's no better combination uh, of being trained by the best and gifted by God. Trained by the best plus gifted by God equals a bad somebody. In, ur in urban terminology, they would say, my mother is a beast. And she probably would say was a beast. Uh, but she started playing the organ in the church at around the age of 13. And during her playing days, she became known throughout this country uh, in our beloved denomination, the Church of God in Christ, and beyond for her exceptional playing and musical ability and talent. Throughout her musical career, she has been either the music director for several or pianist for several of the historic black churches here in Indianapolis, crossing denominational lines. Even to this day, she is yet still held in high esteem by such as Indianapolis' own national gospel music artists such as Rodney Bryant, Lamar Campbell, a musician, songwriter, you may not know of her because of she doesn't, she's not out front all the time, but Pamela Davis, who now resides in Texas. I don't know if any of you ever know heard of the song, Order My Steps, Dear Lord. That's Pamela Davis' song, and she's the one that brought that forth. Uh, but since this is Black History, I just wanted to honor my mother and to celebrate her today. And by the way, she and my mother-in-law, she and my mother-in-law, uh, if the Lord wills, 
Both of them will turn 87 years old in a few months this year. And so we thank God for them. My mother has always said, there is a song for everything. Singing is an outlet of expression and a means of connection through the lyrics of a song. And whatever the celebration may be or whatever the need may be in life, just like an app and just like a Bible verse, there is a song for that. So in concert with your theme for this year's Black History Celebration, yet will I praise you with the emphasis on this is my story, this is my song. Let me just share briefly here as an introduction, a part of the introduction, uh, some aspects uh, what I consider regard the splendor of black gospel music. Black gospel music is a unique genre of Christian music. Number one, I believe that it is special, all right, for it holds a particular place in the lives of black and brown people because of what it provides for us. If you could put up uh, picture one, uh, Heather. This is uh, Harvard University professor and historian Lewis Henry Gates, Jr. Uh, in his latest PBS, Public Broadcasting Station, four-part docuseries for Black History Month entitled Gospel, he digs into the origin story of black spirituality through sermon and song. And he notes W.E.B. Du Bois. You may have heard of him, maybe not. He was born in 1863 and died in 1963. And he was born in 1868 and died in 63, 1963. So he was old when he died. He was the first African-American to earn a doctorate from Harvard University and one of the founders of the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People, uh, known as the NAACP. He quotes Du Bois saying this, The sermon and the song retain their power as vital sources of cultural affirmation and spiritual sustenance for all of us seeking comfort in time of great uncertainties. So it's special. Gospel music is special. Secondly, it is a sacred sound, all right? It is a sacred sound of freedom resonating within the soul. It's a sacred sound that encompasses the entire environment of the black experience. Picture two, Ahmed uh, Green Hayes. Ahmed is also at Harvard. He is at Harvard Divinity School, professor in African-American religious studies. And he states this, and I quote, The gospel sound is a black sacred sound that reemerges as a freedom song. And so we can't divorce the political and social circumstances surrounding the sacred sound because that's what black gospel music, it is a sacred sound of freedom that resonates within the soul and encompasses everything that we experience. Thirdly, to me, uh, black gospel music has a, it is a sustained force that has endured because of the efficacy of its power. Picture three, please. Judith Castleberry. Reflecting on the history of black gospel music, uh, she, uh, professor of uh, Africana studies at Bowdoin College in Maine, she says the sound 
still connects people. The sound still gathers people. The sound still is a magnet for people. And fourthly, in regards to what I feel about uh, black gospel music, from an existential perspective, its strength lies in giving substantial meaning to the lyrics of songs that identify and resonate with the experience and hope of black people. On this video clip is Marshall Hatch. He is professor of ministry at Northern Seminary. And there would not have been a sustained faith-based social justice movement without the serenade of sacred music. Up above my head, I hear music in the air was changed to up above my head, I hear freedom in the air. Ain't gonna let nobody turn me around originally had to do with staying the course of Christian discipleship. But in the movement, the same words became a song of resistance against police brutality and the threats of white mob violence. And of course, a variation of the old church song, We Shall Overcome, became the anthem of the entire movement. The root of all black music comes from the Negro spirituals of lament, the blues, and church-based gospel. Again, the strength of gospel lies in giving substantial meaning to the lyrics of songs that identify and resonate with the experience and the hope of black people. In summation regarding black gospel music, Dr. Lewis Gates provides an apt description of what it is, saying, and I quote, the beauty of gospel is its ability to summon the full weight of the sacred into the everyday urgency of black lives. It is a message our people still need as we face an uncertain future. Gospel is a prayer. Gospel is a chant. It is a praise song. It is our heart's cry to God rendered collectively and sublimely in lyrics and song. And so with my remaining time along the lines of your theme and emphasis, I want us together as people of God to turn to Scripture in a brief attempt to see what Scripture says about song in addressing my sermonic question, why do we sing? And for my attempt of brevity and special emphasis, I will not give equal treatment uh, to each point that I give to you. I'm going to hover on one particular one right in the middle because I think of its essence for all of us in living today. But why do we sing? Number one, we sing because we can sing. What that says to me, what I mean by that is it's natural, all right? It's a part of our human existence and experience. Psalms 40 and 3 declares, he put a new song in my mouth. This is David. A hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. Psalm 33, 2 and 3 says, give thanks to the Lord with the lyre. Sing praises to him with a harp of ten strings. Sing to him a new song, playing skillfully with a shout of joy. I'm not going to be able to deal with that terminology quali qualifying new song today, but it's throughout Scripture. God gifted humanity with the ability 
to play musical instrumentation and the ability to sing. Under King David, the Levites numbered 38,000, consisting of 288 singers with 4,000 musicians. You find this in 1 Chronicles. The musicians alone, they were a little over 10% of the Levites that ministered in the temple. So that basically represents about out of, uh, they were one out of every 10 of the Levites were in the music department. Can you imagine trying to fund <laughs> 38,000 Levites, or not that many, but at least the 4,000 musicians and 200 and so odd singers? What kind of budget did they have, y'all? But singing is mentioned over 400 times in the Bible. The first mention of anything musically related before the flood is found in Genesis chapter 4, verses 18 through 21. And it brings up the man by the name of Jubal, and I believe his brother was Jabal. Jubal is called the father of all of such as handle the harp and the organ or the lyre and pipes, dealing with musical string instruments. The first mention of music or song after the flood is the Genesis narrative between Laban and Jacob. So apparently Noah somehow of them kept, the, kept music going somehow, whatever. We don't see or hear anything about them singing, but they must have kept it going there. But in that conversation between Laban and Jacob, it comes up in Genesis 31 about songs of joy. But these songs were not necessarily related or associated with worship, all right? The first recorded singing in the uh, antiphon, uh, help me, uh, Pastor. There you go. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, antiphonal song of Moses and children of Israel in Exodus chapter 15. And this is followed by Miriam leading the praise, the women's praise dance ministry, if you will, with tambourines. And then she started directing the woman's chorus in singing to the Lord. Then Moses and the Israelites sang this song to the Lord. I will bless the Lord for he is highly exalted. Both horse and driver he has hurled into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. He is my God and I will praise him. My father's God and I will exalt him. The Lord is a warrior. They're singing y'all. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his armies he has hurled into the sea. The best of Pharaoh's officers are drowned in the Red Sea. The deep waters have covered them. They sank the depths like a stone. What a song, what a song, what a song. And I guess it just resonated so much with all the Miriam got so happy, begin to take the tambourine and start clapping for a little bit, if you will, and then begin to direct the women. And they begin to sing, sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. Horse and driver, he has hurled into the sea. We sing and we play instruments because God has given us song and music to humanity. So there's a positive power in lyrics and the music. And we sing then because we can sing being gifted by God. Secondly, we sing because we are commanded in Scripture. And to me, that means it's biblical. Psalm 95, 1 to 2, come let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him in thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. Psalm 96 and 2, sing to the Lord, praise his name, proclaim his salvation day after day. There are over 50 explicit imperatives or direct commands to sing 
unto the Lord. According to this one here, 95, 1 and 2, really singing builds a sense of community. Come, let us. It builds a sense of community. It creates, creates connection with one another. 92 and 2, singing to me then is an act of adoration in which we bless God. And in proclaim, praising to him, we proclaim the salvation that God gives and brings unto us. So as a command, as a saint or to the saint of God, singing becomes oxygen that enables us to breathe. If you don't praise him, you won't be living very long. Thirdly, we sing, and this is where we're going to park just for a minute here. Thirdly, we sing because it is cathartic for the soul. Not only do we sing because we can sing, not only do we sing because we're commanded in Scripture, we sing because it is cathartic for the soul. And the reason why we're going to park here, because to me, that means it's practical. There's therapeutic medicine. In singing. Catharsis is the process of releasing and thereby providing relief from strong emotions. Music is an agent of catharsis that can calm, compose, and refresh us. In 1 Samuel 16, David's anointed playing of the harp and the lyre in service to King Saul brought forth a calming, a soothe, refreshing, driving away the evil spirit that the Lord had allowed to torment King Saul. I believe you've heard it said that adversity is the mother of invention. Anybody ever heard that? Adversity is the mother of invention. Invention. Another way of saying that is pain is a powerful producer. Look at somebody and say, pain, pain is a powerful producer. Pain is a strong emotion. With many of the songs of the church, the lyrics were birthed out of pain. They were birthed out of adversity. They were birthed out of loss. And as David's musical gifting refreshed soul, Saul, God often gives songs for strength in the dark moments of life. That's an inherent power in the gift of song. And maybe let me add the right type of song. It is stated in the book of Job by uh, Elihu, one of Job's well-meaning counselors during his severe health condition crisis. He says that God gives songs to sing in the night. The psalmist mentions about singing at nighttime in Psalm 42, singing while in the bed in Psalm 149, singing a song to God in a form of a prayer or praise. Now, singing at nighttime or while laying in the bed can be also during good times, all right? And, uh, and it should be because naturally we breathe in and we breathe out God no matter what we're doing. When we get up, ought to be a praise to God. Lord, I thank you for another day. When we lie down, we should be a praise to God. Lord, I thank you for taking me through the day. All right. But it was at midnight while imprisoned that Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises to God while in prison. God uses pain 
to produce praise. Yes, even songs of praise. Some songs of the night can be those projected as a prayer from the pain experienced through a nighttime or darkened moment in one's journey. Or it can be projected as a praise for God's presence and protection, providing a light of hope for tomorrow. This night song as a prayer or a praise thus becomes a means of release from anxiety. It becomes a means of relief from emotional tension. It becomes a means of refreshing solace during distress. It becomes a catharsis in crisis. Tell somebody, you better sing. You better sing. For it is out of weakness that God makes us strong through his grace, according to Paul in 2 Corinthians 12. One of those means is through song. Because God does not want us to stop singing when we're suffering. God does not want us to stop singing when we're suffering. Encourage somebody and tell them, keep singing. We must keep singing because it is one of God's ways to sustain us when we're suffering. Singing sustains us in suffering. Yes, even if it's a song of lament. You can go and research it. I'm not a psychologist nor a counselor of mental health and so forth, but they got plethora of material to deal with why sad songs even help us when we sad. David had psalms of lament. So singing sustains us in our suffering, even if it's a song of sorrow. Some of the greatest songs of the church, such as what we were singing this morning, It is well with my soul, and his eyes on the sparrow, they were forged from pain, from loss and suffering. Even many black gospel songs were penned in the throes of, uh, throes of tragedy or from unfortunate or troubling circumstances. How many of you know ever sung or familiar with the, the hymn, Precious Lord, Take My Hand? Let me see your hands. Precious Lord, Take My Hand. If you could put up uh, the picture there of Thomas A. Dorsey, what I call picture five. This song, was written and arranged by Thomas Andrew Dorsey, who was considered to be the father of gospel music. His life has hit, had hit a crisis moment in 1932 from the death of his wife and son during childbirth. In grief, as many musicians do, they, he turned to the, music, to the uh, musical instrument that he loved to tinker with, and it was the piano. It became his place of comfort. And it is through this time that God directly gave him this song during this moment in his life. Precious Lord, take my hand. Lead me on. Let me stand. I'm tired. I'm weak. I'm worn. Through the storm, through the night, lead me on to the light. Take my hand, precious Lord, lead me home. The next picture here, Richard Smallwood. 
the modern-day gospel music icon. He's a legend. Richard Smallwood, he formed his musical group called the Richard Smallwood Singers in 1977. He's a singer, he's a songwriter, he's the producer, uh, whose music, music is sung all over the world. He's particularly known for blending traditional black church music and classical music. He's sung for Presidents Nixon, Reagan, and Clinton. He has at least four Grammy Awards, 10 Stella, and I believe four Dove Awards, just to name a few. He credits pain for some of his songs. He says, songs of pain last. Songs of pain last. And so at the time when his mother was struggling with dementia, and a family friend was terminally ill. He had to become one of the caregivers for both of them. And one of his songs that is still sung all over was written during this period in 1996. He states the song came uh, from a dream based upon Psalm 121. And although he felt God had left him, he shared that God told him, quote, I want your praise. No matter what the situation you're in, good or bad. And so the song is entitled Total Praise that came out of his pain. If you would please, the video clip, Total Praise. Want to lift your hands.
God uses pain to produce praise. Come on and clap your hands and give God some praise for total praise. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory to his name. The sorrow embedded beneath our story can generate lyrics of strength in a song. Moses penned the lyrics to a song for Israel before he died. In Deuteronomy 31, you read about it. The song is 43 verses long. Verses 1, Brown, verses 1 through 44. And this song probably gave Moses great elation while soothing his sorrow when from atop of Mount Nebo he was able to see the land that he had led Israel to to which they soon would possess without him. In the midst of his sorrow, God gave him a song. And possibly the preparatory bomb for Jesus when entering the Garden of Gethsemane may have been the hymn, the psalm that they had sung at the Last Supper in the upper room before leaving out to go to the garden. God produces praise out of pain. Fourthly, real quick, let me hurry up. We sing because it roots us in Christ our Savior. To me, it's spiritual. Colossians 3.16, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, songs from the Spirit, or spiritual songs, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. When singing is engaged as an act of worship and adoration of God and praise for what it's done, it deeply roots us in him like that tree that's planted by the rivers of water. Fifthly, we sing, and this is the last point, we sing because of why we are created. To me, this is existential. The previous four points are good reasons why we do sing. Some, though, may disagree with me that these four are reasons why we do sing, and I understand why. It's because of my fifth point. 
The primary reason we sing is because God deserves our praise. He is worthy of our praise, firstly, because of who he is. And secondly, because of what he has done. Yet we need to understand that our praise isn't something that God needs to live or to be sustained. Our praise does not feed his ego. It does not, even if we don't praise, it does not diminish his worth. The Apostle Paul makes it plain in Acts 17, 24, 25, and thereabouts informing us, bottom line, is that God doesn't need anything from us because he's the creator. creator. He's the giver of life and of everything else. But we live and move and have our being, our existence in him. And so because of God's aseity, meaning that his, he is, his being is grounded in himself, he doesn't need us as it relates to his being. He's Jehovah, the self-existent one. He's the self-existent creator. He is not dependent in any way on his creation. He doesn't need us to praise him. He just made us for the purpose of praising him. It was in the song earlier here today, but in Revelation 4.11, you are worthy, our Lord God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. We were created for good works according to Paul. Ephesians 2. We are created for his glory according to Isaiah 43. We were created to give him glory. Psalm 96, 7 through 9. Psalm 149, 1 through 4 declares, sing to the Lord a new song. His praise in the assembly of this faithful people. Let Israel rejoice in their maker. Let the people of Zion be glad in their king. Let them praise his name with the dancing and make music with him with the timbrel and heart. Heart. The church hymn joyously shouts when we all get to heaven. What a day of rejoicing that will be. Y'all know it? What are we going to do? John the Revelator described what he saw in heaven. Revelation 5 and 9. And they sang a new song saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood, I didn't know they were going to sing that today, y'all. And you know your blood, with your blood, you purchased for God persons of every tribe, language, and people, and nations. So as I come to a close, God doesn't make us praise him. It's a decision. It's a choice that we make. That decision comes easy when I think of the goodness of Jesus and all that he has done for me. But when I think about the goodness of Jesus and all he's done for me, my soul cries out, hallelujah. Thank God. Praise God for saving me. Psalm 107 declares, let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy. So when I think, I got to think. When I think, if it had not been for the Lord who was on my side. When I think what it could have been if it had not been for the Lord on my side. When I look back over my life, 
The decision is easily made. Like the psalmist says in Psalm 144 and 9, I will sing a new song unto you, O God. Upon a psalter and an instrument of ten strings will I sing praises to you. Psalm 145 and 2. Every day. I will bless thee. I will praise thy name forever and never. Psalm 146 and 2. While I live, will I, y'all get it? I will, will I praise the Lord. I will, I make a decision. I make a choice. I make a determination. No matter what comes, no matter what goes, I will. Praise God while I have any being. David said in Psalm 30, 34, 1 to 3, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall what continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make a boast of the Lord, and the humble shall hear and therefore be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. When it gets bad, or when it gets as bad as it can get, I still, we all can sing the song of Habakkuk. In chapter 3, verse 17 and 18, the title of that song is, Although Yet. In the NIV it's entitled, Though Yet. For he declares, although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall the fig tree be in the vines. Neither the labor of the oil shall, be, shall fail, and the field shall yield no meat. The flock shall be cut off from the field, and there shall be no herds in the stalls. Although, and then he says, yet, look at somebody and say yet. yet. Yet will I rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. Regardless of the knots, yet will I rejoice <laughs> in the Lord. So when things aren't going smooth like you want them to, do what earth, wind, and fire told us to do. Sing a song. Sing a song. Play it, my brothers. Yeah. Didn't want to bring it into church, but I did. <laughs>
Well, amen. What a gift of music that we have to <laughs> paint. Yeah, I mean, how many of you all have turned on a song just to get through a moment? How many, how many of y'all had that song Happy by Pharrell on repeat from them, them soundtracks going on? There is something that God has given us through the gift of melody, song, and rhythm. And Pastor Bevan, thank you so much for what you've given us today. I know you came to me this morning. <laughs> yeah. Amen. 